What is up, guys? It's Pete Mundo of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and appreciate you downloading the podcast this week, being a part of the show. Football's back, baby. And we're brought to you by BetNow.eu. I'm placing my Big 12 bets there. I hope you do as well. Use the promo code HEARTLAND for a 100% sign-up bonus. They just double your money. They put it right in there. I've been using them. They're taking care of us, and um, we appreciate you. So BetNow.eu, promo code HEARTLAND to get involved on the gambling front. And then, if you haven't, please rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. I can't thank you enough for doing that. We are seeing a big increase in the podcast downloads because of you doing that. The grassroots continues. And if you do it, send me a screenshot of your review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will send you in the mail a Heartland College Sports koozie. It's a great deal. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the show. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line, touchdown. I can feel it coming on well as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody sing. And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the sun goes down, stars come out. They just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards for McCluskey on the grab. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone, it's a touchdown! Oh, mother! Well, that is what we would call a not a good start to Big 12 play for this conference. I'm sorry, there's just, there's no way around it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Appreciate you joining us, being a part of the show. And let's welcome in our newest affiliate. It's KCMO Talk Radio in Kansas City. It's where I do my Monday through Friday daily news talk show, and we're happy to have them on board as well, joining us here for our uh, Big 12-focused show. Yeah, heartlandcollegesports.com is uh, the Big 12 website that I founded, own, and operate, and we're in the swing of things right now. We are. College football is finally here. It's fantastic. But for the Big 12 as a whole, before the West Virginia fan or the Oklahoma fan starts screaming, what about me? What about me? We're going to get to you. Relax. Take it easy. But looking at the big picture for this conference, it was not a good week. It just wasn't. And that's ultimately just as important as what your team does, unless your team goes undefeated. If the Sooners go undefeated, they're in the college football playoff. That's all well and good. But... If you had that one loss and conference strength or perceived conference strength at times is something that the committee puts value in, then you want the rest of the conference to win. And what happened to Texas, what happened to Texas Tech, what happened to Kansas, heck, even what happened to K-State in some ways was not good. It was not good for the entire conference. Because now, God forbid, Texas goes out there and actually competes at the top of the Big 12 Conference, which I don't know why you'd have any confidence in that actually happening based on what you saw against Maryland. But, geez, I mean, if Texas goes out there and wins nine games, God forbid, 10 games, and finishes 
second place in the Big 12, then this conference has a major problem on its hands. Because no one's going to look at the Big 12 and take them seriously. They're going to say, wait, the same Texas team that uh, lost to Maryland for their second straight year to open up the season, that Maryland team that was in total chaos without its head coach, yeah, yeah, that team. Oh, but you're going to tell me this time it's different because, well, Texas has improved as the season's gone on. That's great. You can sell that to some people. Listen, here's the reality for this conference. It's got to have a chip on its shoulder. It should have a chip on its shoulder. It's been viewed as the redheaded stepchild of the Power Five conferences for a long time now. And if you think that's going to change this year, it's not. So every non-conference game is vitally important. And to get embarrassed by an Ole Miss team like Texas Tech did, that I look at that Ole Miss team and I see a team that's going to score points against a lot of people in the SEC. Jordan Tamu and those wide receivers are darn good. But the fact that Tech got blown out of the building against a team that, if we're being fair, is going to finish in the bottom half of the SEC West was not a good look. It wasn't. The Texas loss was bad. The Kansas loss, at what point do you throw your hands up and just say enough's enough? I got more on David Beatty coming up and, you know, some rumors and rumblings about what KU is going to do with, with its football program. We'll get into that as the show goes on. But even K-State, you know, K-State's got a massive game this weekend against Mississippi State. And the fact that that team and that program spent most of that game against South Dakota down 12 points at home was embarrassing. That would have been a disaster, absolute disaster, if K-State would have lost that game. It would have made this weekend even worse than it was. So I know OU fans are taking glory in the fact that, well, Texas lost again to Maryland. You know, you, you don't want that. You don't want to end up like, what was that, 2015, 2016? I guess that would have been 15 when OU made the playoff with that loss to uh, Texas in the Red River rivalry, still made the college football playoff that year with the one loss to their big rival. Well, you don't want to find yourself in that situation again. You don't want to lose to an unranked Texas team that lost to Maryland and potentially loses to USC next week. Who knows what will happen there? You don't want to deal with that. You just don't. So all in all, not a good weekend for the Big 12. It just wasn't last week. And yes, West Virginia looked really good. I give that defense a lot of credit for how they performed in the first game of the season. Now you're saying, ah, it's Tennessee. Who cares? When you have a defense that has been as leaky as West Virginia's has been, at least last season, it was good two years ago, just take it and run with it. You know, Tennessee has a lot of four- and five-star guys on the offensive line, and Kenny Bigelow and that D-line in the front seven made him look silly. So uh, let's stop with the, well, Tennessee's offense is garbage. Yeah, it's not very good, but guess what? It's who they played, and West Virginia looked really good against them. So do I think they're going to hold Oklahoma to 14 points? No, I don't. But it was at least encouraging, if you're a Mountaineers fan, to sit there and to, to watch that last weekend. It had to be. And Oklahoma, if that defense, and I know it's a group of five school, but it's FAU, it's Lane Kiffin. Uh, that was a top 10 most efficient offense in the country last season. What impressed me even more than Kyler Murray or anything else on the offensive side of the ball was that Mike Stoops might finally have the defensive pieces he needs to get over that hump, to get to a college football playoff, and then win a game. I'm not saying a national championship, but win a game. It'd be huge. It really would be. 
And what I took out of the weekend was that the Big 12 is really breaking down as of right now into uh, three tiers, four tiers if you want to call it that. But let's say three tiers for the time being. There's Oklahoma at the top in its own tier, in its own category, class of the conference, three straight Big 12 titles. Till somebody knocks them off their perch, I'm not changing that. I'm not putting them in the top category with a West Virginia or a TCU. There's no reason to. Nothing's been proven on the field that justifies OU not having its own category in this conference right now. So you have OU at the top in its own category. Then you get to that second tier, which I'm going to throw three. Jeez, do I? You know what? I'm going to put four teams into that second tier. And those teams are West Virginia, TCU, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. Those are the four teams in the second tier I'm putting in. Then you go on down from there, you get to your third tier. And your third tier is Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech, K-State, and Kansas. Now, you want to say Kansas is its own fourth tier of horrible football? That's fine. Then there's four tiers. There's OU, there's Kansas, and then there's two middle tiers. But that's how the Big 12 is shaking out right now. And I know it's only week one. I'm not trying to overreact. But you actually finally get a look at what these teams are all about. And you get a little glimmer into who is what. And yes, teams can improve even just week to week, but certainly month to month. And we might see that with one or two of these teams. But until proven otherwise, that's where I'm seeing the Big 12. And, and Baylor, you know, Baylor put a ton of points on the board. My problem with Baylor is I don't know who the heck they're going to stop. They couldn't stop Abilene Christian. How are you going to stop some of the best offenses in the Big 12 Conference? Baylor's going to be playing a lot of 55-51 games this fall. They're going to be playing a lot of those games. Now, the offense is fantastic. I could not believe what I saw from Jalen McClendon. And I know, you know, maybe guys that follow Baylor or gals that follow Baylor might have seen this coming. I'm not down there in Waco to see practices day in, day out. I'm not. And what I saw from McClendon, this, this guy, that arm of his, it's arguably an NFL caliber arm. We'll see what Matt Rule does as the season progresses with Charlie Brewer and Jalen McClendon, but you got to love those two quarterbacks, the pieces that they have there as well. Jalen Hurd with a nice debut, the Tennessee transfer, former running back turned into a wide receiver. The offense is there, but I'm not sure what else is. And I want to like K-State, but did they give you any reason off of what you saw last week to like that team? Any at all? I didn't see it. I just did not see it from Bill Snyder's team. And the fact that this team lost the turnover battle 4 nothing to South Dakota. And then on top of that, had 129 penalty yards. That is just, that's everything that Kansas State football is not under Bill Snyder. It's the antithesis of K-State football in many ways. And Bill Snyder, he's got to be concerned about what he's got going on there, especially going into this game, which we'll talk more about later on in the show, because this is a very scary matchup based on what you saw last week for the Kansas State Wildcats. It really is. So, and I feel sorry for the Iowa State fans. You know, you had your opener canceled. Can't control Mother Nature. You just can't do it. And, um, but overall, a, a disappointing week for the Big 12 Conference, top to bottom, because you want your schools to win as many Power 5 games as possible. And the fact that the Big 12 is sitting there now with a loss to 
a Maryland team that's probably going to be at the bottom of the ACC and an SEC team in Ole Miss that's going to be near the bottom of the SEC West. Not a good start. It's just not, boys. I hate to break it to you. It's really not. But let's dive into the worst of the worst here for a little bit because there's a lot of rumblings and rumors about what to do with Kansas and what the future of football is there. KU football's not going anywhere. It's not. Anyone saying that on Twitter or otherwise is just not being honest with you. And I'll explain it, tell you why, and dive into a whole lot more here in the Big 12 coming up next, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So let's dive into the dumpster fire that is the Kansas Jayhawks for a couple of minutes because David Beatty should not have a job anymore. It's just clear as day. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of my Big 12 outlet, heartlandcollegesports.com. Go check it out. Well, let's remind you as well that David Beatty is in year four of a rebuild. You know, this isn't year two, even year three. He's in year four of a rebuild and losing to FCS teams. You can't have that anymore. You know, I've met David Beatty. I've dealt with him. I've covered him. He seems like a really good guy. The kind of guy you want to root for. The kind of guy you want to see win. The kind of guy you want to see turn around this program. But it's not going to happen. It's just not. When you're losing the FCS programs in year four, you're done. You are finished. And the idea that ah, just one more season is going to do the trick, it's not. And I wish I was wrong about that, but I don't believe I am at this point. I, I really don't. So David Beatty's in a tough spot, of course, because Jeff Long's in as the new athletic director. And that's the other reason I'd get rid of him. Just clean house, clear the slate, let Jeff Long have an open and lengthy process to figure out who his options are, who might be willing to take the job, how much he has to overpay for somebody to take the job because it's not going to be easy based on where this program is right now. Let me add this to the conversation. The idea that the Kansas Jayhawks are in any way going to shut down their football program is just laughable. And that's been a part of the conversation here in recent days. Corey Young, who's a professor at KU Law School, he tweeted out, over the last few days, what's the argument for continuing KU football? Serious question. It's an enormous money loser for a cash-strapped university. Life-altering injuries and cumulative brain damage are inevitable. Wouldn't this money be spent? Wouldn't this money be better spent elsewhere, i.e., more scholarships? And then he goes on to say, certainly there are Big 12 obligations. Shouldn't KU explore other options? Why can't we join other, one, other hundreds of Division I basketball schools that don't have a football team? Well, here's why. Because of money. That's why. Let me give you some numbers here. Since you know, sometimes guys in the professorial world are not always based on reality. They just aren't. So the Big 12 deal that was inked in 2012, 13-year contract, with ESPN and Fox combined $2 billion with a B dollars. $2 billion. You need me to do that math for you real quick? Huh? Well, my phone doesn't even go that high. But that's a ton of money. We all know the Big 12 schools are making between 
35 and $40 million a year. It's a massive number they're getting from the TV rights. Compare that to the Big East. You know, the Big East, basketball only, Villanova, Creighton, Georgetown, St. John's. Their TV contract was signed in 2013. 12 years, $500 million. So the Big 12 got 13 years for $2 billion. The Big East got 12 years for a quarter of that money. That's why, Professor Young, KU is going to keep playing football. And that's why the university should be believing that they can turn this thing around. They are investing money into their facilities. That's a good thing. That's a great start. And also, the football money is funding all the other programs in the athletic department that are losing money. Basically, everything outside of football and basketball at most universities lose money. And in many cases, football's a money loser as well. And sometimes basketball is too. But a place like KU, with that Power 5 money, with that Big 12 money, KU football's not losing money. In fact, KU football, because of the TV contract, is funding basically every other water polo, volleyball, track and field, everything else the football program is funding. As bad as it is, that's the deal. And that's not changing. So KU football is not shutting down. Question is, how do you turn it around? And I hear there's some KU fans as well. Ah, you know, you can't, uh, where are we going to go? You can't do better than Beatty. Let them have a couple more years. Come on. What if Kansas State took that attitude? Huh? What if K-State took that approach before they hired Bill Snyder, you know, in 1988? What if they did that? That would have been a disaster. What if they kept Stan Parrish around for another couple of years? Stan Parrish, who was, I believe, 2-30 during his tenure, he's basically David Beatty. <laughs> In many ways, he is. Get rid of the guy. Get him out of there. And just move on. It's time to just get over this Beatty experiment. It didn't work. Admit you were wrong and start from scratch. It can't get much lower than it is right now in year four of a rebuild, and you're still losing to FCS programs. It really can't. So an interesting um, angle here, too, of what happened over the past bunch of days and what's going on here in the Big 12 Conference is the fact that the two most under-talked-about teams through week one, Oklahoma State and TCU, and honestly, I know they were playing bad opponents in Missouri State and Southern, but they look like two programs that could exceed expectations. Now, in TCU's case, with the seniors that they lost last year, over 20 seniors this program lost from last season, it's not that I didn't have faith in Gary Patterson turning around this program and thinking he could do it. I, I know this guy doesn't rebuild. He's reloading at this point. Every year the last couple of seasons, he's had top 25 recruiting classes, and he's, I believe, the best coach in the conference. So... I'm not shocked that this team looks as good as it does through one week, of course, one week against an FCS opponent, but it didn't miss a beat. Maybe we shouldn't take these FCS games for granted based on what the Kansas schools did over the weekend, you know? But Sean Robinson, five touchdowns, three through the air, two on the ground, yet still people are discussing Justin Rogers, whether or not he's the guy. Let's enjoy Sean Robinson. The fact that TCU is sitting there with a four-star quarterback and a five-star quarterback on the bench and, you know, the pen transfer, everything else, 
who would have saw this from TCU football 15 years ago? You tell a TCU fan in 2002, this is where you'd be in 2018, they'd tell you to pinch them. They wouldn't believe it. And the defense just looks like it really hasn't missed a beat, and that's been pretty darn impressive as well. Now, Oklahoma State, on the other hand, Taylor Cornelius, who saw this coming? For every time you hear, you know, think about the national conversation. Jalen Hurd, is he going to transfer because, not Jalen Hurd, <laughs> I'm thinking Big 12, thinking Baylor. No, is Alabama quarterback, why is his name skipping my mind? Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts going to transfer because he lost out to Tua Tugavailoa over at Alabama. Is he going to take his eligibility elsewhere after this season? Think about a guy like Taylor Cornelius who sat year after year after year in Stillwater. He finally gets his shot. He looked really good against Missouri State. Yeah, it's Missouri State. But I'm excited to see what this guy can do, and I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him in a big way because he's one of those guys you want to see succeed because he sat around, he's waited his turn, he had a quarterback battle this summer against uh, Drew Brown, the Hawaii transfer, and a star true freshman in Spencer Sanders, and he won the darn thing. How do you not love that? How is that not a story you want to follow and be a part of and root for? It should be. And and I'm all in on Taylor Cornelius. Now, I wish Oklahoma State toughened up its non-conference. It's not Mike Gundy's way, but that is a story for another day. Coming up, let's get to a preview of this weekend's games. It's week two. It is here. Week two is here. Before we do that, please do check out betnow.eu. My friends there, I'm placing my Big 12 bets there. I hope you do as well. Use the promo code HEARTLAND for a 100% sign-up bonus. They double the money for you. Sign up, betnow.eu, promo code HEARTLAND. We hope you join us there as you place your Big 12 bets. Well, suddenly week two is a pretty fascinating slate for the Big 12 Conference. You think of week three, that's when the big time matchups are, but week two is actually pretty good. It's Pete Mundo here, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks for being a part of the show and joining us, whether it's uh, the radio show, podcast, everything else. But let's remind you here that week three is when the Big 12 goes absolutely bonkers with a ridiculous schedule. You have Oklahoma, Iowa State. You have West Virginia, NC State. You have Boise State, Oklahoma State. You have Texas Tech, Houston. You have TCU, Ohio State. And you have USC in Texas. Uh, Does it get any better than that? Outside of Rutgers in Kansas, and even Baylor and Duke's pretty decent, K-State, UTSA. Gosh, that's a monster week three. It really is. But because of the outcomes in week one, week two is pretty darn interesting. It is. Let me start off talking about a game that I'm going to be at this weekend, and that is none other than the Kansas State and uh, Mississippi State game. We're going to be doing a tailgate. I hope some K-State fans stop by. It's in the east lot. We're going to be in parking spot 188, so we look forward to seeing a lot of K-State fans there, hopefully stopping by for a couple of uh, adult beverages and whatnot. So we look forward to seeing you there in Manhattan Saturday morning as we get things going right around 8 o'clock in the lot there in Manhattan. So we hope to see many of you there for the K-State-Mississippi State game. What's interesting about that game now is that, surprisingly, what looked really bad for the Wildcats last week 
was none other than its offensive line, which is supposed to be one of the best offensive lines, maybe not just in the Big 12, but in the country. Uh, this is an offensive line that was returning guys like Dalton Risner that people should be looking at as potential, uh, maybe not all American candidates, but certainly all Big 12 type of players. And these guys looked overmatched at times by South Dakota. South Dakota's defensive line was giving K-State trouble at times. So how is Mississippi State going to do? Mississippi State, which has possibly, uh, maybe not better than Alabama or Auburn, but one of the best defensive lines in the SEC with guys like Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons. Sweat had an SEC best 10.5 sacks last season, and Simmons is a preseason All-American at D-tackle. Uh, and then you add on top of that how bad both Skylar Thompson and Alex Delton played at quarterback last week, and all of a sudden this game has a lot of intrigue, and it could get kind of ugly for Mississippi State. i got to admit it could. Nick Fitzgerald comes back after a week one suspension. You have questions about the Kansas State defense and how that's going to play out. I'm looking at this game for the Wildcats, and I'm very concerned. I'm not going to lie. I am concerned. Now, also, you look at Mississippi State, and you're saying to yourself, they've got the number one JUCO wide receiver in America who's in town now, Stephen Guidry. And he's somebody that, you know, you got to keep a close eye on. And I don't know who that breakout guy is for K-State at the skill position on the offensive side of the ball. Is it Alex Barnes? Is it Isaiah Zuber? I know Zuber had a big game last week, but is that a number one wide receiver in a Power 5 conference? I don't think he is. I think he's a nice number three. That's what I think Isaiah Zuber is. So... I hope I'm wrong about this. I really do. We're going to be there covering the game, throwing the tailgate, the whole thing. But I have a lot of question marks about what Isaiah Zuber and what the rest of this Kansas State team is going to do uh, this Saturday against Mississippi State. I really do. The other top intriguing games this week to me when I look at the Big 12 Conference in Week 2 is... UCLA at Oklahoma. Of course, UCLA lost to Cincinnati in week one. Not a good start for Chip Kelly, but still, two traditional Power 5 programs. That'll be a lot of fun. Is OU really as good as they looked last week? Do they come back down to earth a little bit, even though UCLA is not that good? That's intriguing to me. Uh, and, and let's be honest, Kansas at Central Michigan. There's a lot of storylines there. Central Michigan is expected to be pretty bad this year, so... If Kansas can't go beat a group of five, a bad group of five team, does David Beatty make it home to Lawrence, or do they give him the old Lane Kiffin treatment and leave him on the tarmac? What do they do? I, I've been saying all week that David Beatty should be fired already. He should not be coaching this game. If he goes to a bad Central Michigan team and then gets blown out, God forbid, is he the head coach come Monday? I think it's a hell of a question. I do. I really do. Then you go down the line from there, and you have Texas Tech at Lamar. Now, Tech should take care of business, but McLean Carter injured himself last week. I want to see more from the true freshman Alan Bowman, or is it Jet Duffy, who some people thought was in more of a quarterback competition with McLean Carter during the offseason? I don't know, but I thought Alan Bowman, for all of Texas Tech's woes, I thought the true freshman quarterback from a Grapevine, Texas, I believe it is, looked pretty darn good. Then you've got Cyhawk. 
Iowa State at Iowa. After last year's game, how do you not want to be a part of that game this year? You know what I'm saying? It's the 66th meeting between these two teams. The Hawkeyes 24-14 and 14 all time in games played on their home field. And you look at this game, it's interesting for Iowa because it's kind of like their opener as well in a weird way because that game was canceled last week, which is pretty intriguing. Like, they didn't have that warm-up game against South Dakota State, right? So do they have some kinks to work out early on? Or does Kyle Kempt and Hakeem Butler and Ray Lima, do those guys just get the ball rolling and pick up where they left off last season? I don't know, but Iowa's no slouch. Iowa's always that team that gets overlooked, it feels like, in the Big Ten West. Partially, that's their own fault because they'll lose a game by 20 points, and then they'll go out there and they'll beat Ohio State by 31, like they did last year. You just can't figure this team out. But Nate Stanley is a solid quarterback who is very up and down. He threw five touchdowns last season against Iowa State, just like he threw five touchdowns against Ohio State, two big games that he won. But then he had a lot of clunkers as well. An interesting weapon for him is tight end Noah Fant. I believe he's probably the nation's top tight end. 6'5", 240, he's got speed, he can run. That's got to be the key player that the Iowa State linebackers and Spears and Harvey have to keep an eye on because I don't believe if he gets into the secondary, the safeties are not going to be able to keep up with this guy or they're certainly not going to be able to defend him in any way. You're going to have to have the linebackers do that work, and I think a Willie Harvey can do that, but certainly it's somebody that everybody should be locked down on heading into this weekend's game. And then the defensive ends are very good for Iowa, led by A.J. Apensa. That's a team and that's a unit that, you know, Iowa State's got a good offensive line, but they got to keep Kyle Kemp upright. He's not somebody who's going to scramble around. We know that about Kyle Kemp. He's not going to be Kyler Murray from what we saw in week one. No chance, no way. So keeping Kemp upright is going to be imperative. And using David Montgomery on screen plays in the flat if needed, he's got to be underneath as a safety option on basically every passing play. And I know he usually is, but more so than ever this weekend. So it's going to be very fun to watch that Cyhawk game play out. you got West Virginia, Youngstown State, not much going on there. Baylor at UTSA trying to get revenge from last season's loss to them. Oklahoma State, South Alabama. Mike Gundy, can you please schedule somebody? Um, and then you have Texas and Tulsa. And, you know, I don't want to say it's interesting, but hey, anytime Texas is coming off that loss. And yes, this is their home opener. Fan base is going to be disgruntled. We know that. Tulsa's got a good offense led by Phil Montgomery, the former Baylor offensive coordinator. Um, and that's something that's I am intrigued to see how the Longhorns hold up in that game. I am. I really am. But in the big games this weekend for the Big 12, here's what I see happening. First off, Mississippi State will take care of business against K-State by double digits. Oklahoma blows out UCLA at home by three touchdowns. You can get into that game. I'm looking at it for like five bucks I saw. So even OU fans believe that'll be a romp. I don't see Kansas winning at Central Michigan. I don't see what you saw last week from Kansas that justifies a win against a group of five school. I'm sorry, I don't see it, even against a bad Central Michigan team. And if David Beatty has a job heading into week three, 
I'll be calling for his job, not because he's not a good guy, but because enough is enough in year four of a rebuild. I'm sorry, it is. I think Iowa State can take care of business against Iowa. I feel good about that game. I do, uh, by a slight margin. The rest of the Big 12 teams should take care of business, no problem. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place. Part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Thanks for listening, guys, and don't forget rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and email me your review to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegesports.com, and I will put a free koozie in the mail for you. Get it to your front door ASAP. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next week.